about your story. All of us have a story, and our story is not complete yet. It's still being written. But we all have a story, and no matter what our story is, there's one place that I want to, where we want to end up at. And my, my prayer for each one of us is whatever the story of your life is up until now, that one day, if you're not here now, that one day this can be a part of your story, how your Heavenly Father feels about you. He says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Do you realize that your Heavenly Father actually enjoys you? He enjoys being with you. You are a joy and a delight to Him. So I want you to think about that. Think about that that verse. And we have four different people sharing on different aspects of fathering. And we want to end up kind of at that place um, with with the stories as these people share. So I'll I'll tell you who they are, and then you guys can come share just in the order um, that I had given you. So first of all, Etta is going to share a little bit about the influence of her father. And then Brent will share about influencing as a father and how that shapes you. And then Irvin will be sharing grieving the loss of a father's love. And then Naomi will be coming sharing on finding rest in our Heavenly Father's love. So just completely different aspects of a father's love and the influence of a father. Um, but I'm excited to hear, because these what, what you'll hear are just going to be bits, a tiny little snippet of the story. It's not going to be the whole story, but it'll be a piece of it. So listen to them as they share. Um, and yeah, just, just give them your attention. I'm going to take the mic back for Etta. She can share from there. The rest of you have to come up here. Um, so Etta will share back there, and then Brent, you can come on up, and then Irvin, and, and then Naomi. Thank you, Chris. Oh, it's been a week, and I barely got this paper together in time for this morning, but it's done. If I had known last Sunday what would happen this week, I would never have said yes to Chris. But we didn't know, and my father taught me to keep my word. So I'm going to talk about my father, whom I love dearly. I did an acrostic because... By Saturday night, the whole week had been a mess, and I thought, well, let me just take the word father and put down the good things about my dad, and I will share them with you. He died in 2005, so it's been 17 years, but I I still cry at Father's Day because I miss him. So F stands for fair. He was so fair. He had nine children, including a set of twins. And an adopt, I had an adopted brother. And I, what I loved is he had seven girls and two boys, and he treated us girls as equals to the boys. And we still feel like we're equal to our brothers. And I love that about my dad. And then when he died, he made it a point, because he knew my adopted brother would really feel it after his death. So when, he read the, when we read the will, had the will read to us, 
For everything that he meted out, he kept saying, including Richard Lee Miller, share and share alike, and that was my adopted brother. And he's like my real brother today. He's just part of the family. Then A stands for always there for us. My best memories of being a child is when we had storms and we could all run downstairs and crawl into our mom and dad's bedroom or we were allowed to make a butter nest on the living room floor. And it made the storms so much less effective in scaring us because we knew our parents were there for us. It's a wonderful legacy to leave for your children. And as teenagers, we could go to our parents and they would listen to our problems and give us good advice. And that was a very effective barrier against troubles later on in my life. T stands for truth. One thing I want to say to you fathers, if you live your life without hypocrisy and you love the truth, your children will naturally want to be Christians. That's what happened to my siblings and I. We basically so appreciated and honored and loved that our, our father lived without hypocrisy. He was not perfect, but, and he made mistakes, but he would own up to them. And he loved the truth so much that one by one we all became Christians. And I'm like, that's the way it is today. There's 120 of us now since, oh, let's see, a couple weeks ago. And it's kind of like we still love to talk about dad when we get together every other year. H stands for humor. My dad loved humor. And I tell you, with a family of nine of us, we needed humor, kind of like we needed humor this week, too. And it's like my father loved children. He loved old folks. And the grandchildren could not wait till we had our Thanksgiving gathering by, uh, every other year. And it's like I learned to respect old folks and I learned to respect children from my dad. He always kept telling us those are the vulnerable people in society, so you reach out for them. Then E stands for energy. And he, the day he died, he had done a full day's work the day before. He died suddenly. We were all in shock. But that was just, he was goal-oriented without being mean about it. And I learned a lot from watching him. He finished what he started. And if I could tell him today all the good things that he taught me, I would. I would love if the gates of, or if the clouds of heaven would roll back. And I could just thank him. But sometimes I think he knows. And the last one, respect. He taught us children respect for the dignity and worth of every human being. And to this day, I still remember in the youth group, there were, you know, there's always some people in every group that are mentally, physically, socially handicapped. And my father, he would make us children pick up those people and take them with us. And sometimes I was mad at him for that. But it taught me a lesson because to this day I look out for people who are kind of the underdogs in society. It just makes you notice them. So I say thank you, Dad. If you're up in heaven, I hope you hear me.
Live without hypocrisy. Thanks, Etta. Um, that's really captured. I've been asked to speak on influencing as a father. And when he said, live without hypocrisy, own your failures, apologize when you mess up. I mean, that's, uh, that almost sums up in how to influence. So thank you, Etta. Um, I've heard it said that when you become a parent, you don't become a better person. You don't become a more loving person, a kinder person, but you become, a, you become fierce. That's natural. And uh, anyone that doesn't believe that has never been to a Little League baseball game. Uh, so that's natural. But influence is something completely different. Influence is laying down your life. It's day in, day out. It's putting others ahead of yourself. And it's, and it's not easy. And as I reflected on influencing as a father, thinking about the things that my dad did that influenced me, and I recognized that it was, it was never the large things. The large things, vacations or trips or whatever, that you know, if you're into hunting, fishing, all that, they create, you know, going on these big trips, they create memories, but not influence. Influence is done in the day-to-day, the mundane and as I was thinking through this, putting this together, we, as fathers, as men, we put so much effort into our, I'll just call it nine to five. I know in this community we all start before nine, but we put so much effort into the nine to five, uh, the work, how productive we are. As we develop into leadership positions, we have quotes that say, you know, that where we work on our leadership, and we put all this effort into the nine to five. And the nine to five will impact the world, but the, I'll just call it the five to nine will change the world. And if we want to influence our, our kids, it's that, it's that day in, day out, five to nine in the evening, in the mundane, giving our kids time. Time is it's, it's the most valuable resource we have. The homeless man to the wealthiest person in the world has the exact same amount of time in a day. Uh, and it's the most valuable thing that we have. And it's the most valuable thing that we can give our kids is our time, day in, day out. Uh, and, yeah, as I reflected on that and my, seeing uh, how my dad did that for us, when you come home from work, you're dead tired. You either want to go out and do some projects that you have or probably you just want to get on the recliner and not do anything. But those day in, day out, um, not only do they create memories, but... Uh, they, they, in, they influence a child. And just influence is as simple as, as looking at, I'm not going to quote a Webster's Dictionary because I hate when people do that. But influence is as simple as creating, ch- changing the characteristics or the behavior of your kid without giving a command or without what looks like verbal exertion, like, it's, it's leading by example. It's time, and, and they, will then, they will then follow uh, and living without hypocrisy. So influencing as a father, if there's one challenge that I just wanted to leave is that five to nine. Like, you know what? We're going to mess up. We're going to want to do our own thing. But if we can just get a little bit better, a little bit more intentional of that five to nine, I think as fathers we can, we can change the world.
Good morning, everybody, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, Chris called me to ask me about sharing about grieving the Father's love. Um, I am that person um, that I definitely grew up that way. Um, but first of all, I want to thank God for my life. I want to thank God for what he has done in my life and where he has led me in my life. Um, back to the to the what he asked me to share here. Grieving the Father's love, the earth, earthly Father's love. We are grieving that love. We have a huge hole in our heart. And we, we put all kind of stuff in that to try to fill that. We act out um, things, all kinds of things. Um, alcohol, um, rebellion, suicidal thoughts. Depression was a big one for me. Um, absolutely no self-worth. Just not seeing myself as worth anything. And, and when you go down that trail, there, there, is, no, there is no good that comes out of that. Um, the only good that comes out of that and continue that continue goes back to, to, my, to my Heavenly Father. That is so amazing. Um, and when we were singing that song... Um, you are always faithful. My life, I had to think back and it isn't flat. And I used to not believe that. Absolutely not believe that because of what my relationship was with my earthly father. It was never good enough. It was never, it, it didn't matter. It was always wrong, backwards. The, the words that we just kept hearing over and over and over were stupid, worthless, good for nothing. And a child growing up, you start believing that. You start ingraining that. And, and I just really thank my family. Thank you so much for, for what they have done. And, and you see the hand, I see the hand of God in my life. And, and allowing me to, to have the family that I do to, to help me move through where I am. Um, and especially my, my sons that have just told me the truth from time to time, just looked at me and said, Dad, you are wrong. You, are, you say this, but you act a different way. That has been, been so big in my life. Um, and, and just looking back in this last past week of, of going back and looking at my story again, it still hurts. It's a hurt that will always be there, but it's not a hurt that I have to live daily anymore. So my challenge is, fathers, love your kids. And back to the whole hypocrisy thing, admit when you're wrong. Admit when you're wrong. You, us fathers, we do not need to be perfect. We do not have to have all the answers. We just have to be there. And Brent, to what you said, the five to nine. Pour so much into the life of that nine to five. And that's, that's where my father was. It, it, it was all about the work. It was all about performance. So, and I just, yeah, my, my, just thank the Heavenly Father for what he has done in my life. Um, that's what I have to share today. Okay, I... 
told my husband I'm going to go up there and say, this is what true submission looks like. Also, I just want to say a big thank you to all the dads that are out there, to all the men, the fathers, and the influence that you have on our church here. And do make sure that you take the little gift on the back, round tables in the back, for all the men that are here today, even if, you don't, if you're not a dad. But um, you're here at church and you're influencing uh, all of us. So thank you so much for what you do. And make sure you do take a gift, the gift that's back there on the table with you. Um, I get to to share a little bit about my Heavenly Father today, and um, that is a privilege. And I always had to think that it is all of our Heavenly Fathers. It's actually the same one. And so in in that sense, we are all family, and we are all brothers and sisters. And yet each one of us has such a unique um, relationship with that Heavenly Father. And so... um, I have a lot of my stuff written down, and I might just kind of read over it. But when I think of resting in the Father's love, it brings a lot of security, comfort, belonging, peace, and ultimate satisfaction. Unfortunately, I don't always experience those things with my Heavenly Father because my human sin nature keeps me from coming to Him for those things. It seems silly and ridiculous that anything would keep me from running to Him. Especially that, since that is what is my deepest longing is, and the desires are, and I was created for. So why is it so hard for me to come to him? Like I said, my sin keeps me from it, obviously. And the questions that keep haunting me, like, is he really good? If he is good, why does he allow all this pain? Does he see me? How much I hurt? Why does he keep letting me down? Why would he let my earthly dad die, especially after having dedicated so much of my life to praying for him to come back to God and to us, his family? And I had faith that God was drawing dad to him and that he would use something drastic to get his attention. So much of my life felt like just hopes being dashed. Disappointment after disappointment. How do I put trust in someone that seems so distant and uncaring? You see, somewhere along the way, Satan allowed those questions and doubts to skew my view of my Heavenly Father. And to me, he seems like this, he seemed like a distant being out there watching to see how I was going to react to the next bad thing that will happen to me to the next hard challenge, not somebody that was with me and was carrying me through them. But thankfully, God put people around me, and I can't say enough about the importance of being part of his body, the church, and being in the community where people are literally his hands and feet, because that is how he ministered to me through his body, people around me. I really believe that's what kept me going. My amazing husband who wrestled through so many hard things with me, my family, so many kind and caring people that were praying and interceding for me. And one friend challenged me right after my dad died to keep looking to God, and she told me to look into his face, which was a new concept to me. What does it mean to look into his face? Do you know how hard it is to look someone in the face, 
right after you feel like they've let you down. I'm not sure what I was afraid I would see or not see when I looked into his face. Maybe more rejection or more, maybe he was disappointed in me. But in my desperation, I decided to take the risk. And when I chose to draw near to my Heavenly Father and allow him to cup my chin and turn my face so that it was directly in front of his face, and he tenderly said, look at me. I saw such tenderness in his eyes. He saw me, and he saw my pain, and it hurt him too. He felt all the pain and rejection. He too is acquainted with grief. When I took my eyes off of my pain and I focused on him, I saw how deep his love really is for me. And how my distance hurts him. And yet he doesn't condemn me for it, but he loves me. He gave me um, words to a song that my sisters and I sing called Daughters of Grace. Um, the, The chorus goes, Daughters of Grace, come and feel my embrace. Let me wipe your tears. Um, Come and feel my embrace. Let me wipe your tears. Erase all your fears. I will carry you through. I will never leave you. Come and seek my face. You are my daughters of grace. And then the the bridge is, um, let it go, lay it down. Seek my face and you'll find grace. And I feel like that's exactly what I experienced when I chose to take my eyes off of me and my circumstances, and I sought his face, Um, that's when I found the grace to help me through whatever I'm facing. And I, I still have those times when I am not seeking his face when I should, but it's a good reminder, and when I look back and think how he helped me um, through that. He also just often, he has given me the picture of a child sitting in a parent's lap, struggling and fighting against them when they're maybe trying to put them to sleep or they're just not. um, So many times I'm doing that in the arms of my father, maybe fidgeting and squirming and not just allowing him to hold me and resting. And just complete surrender is where I find rest. Um, A few of my favorite scriptures that, uh, yeah, are just precious are Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, because of the great Lord's great love, I am not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that verse used to make me cringe, and I used to think, prosper me and not harm me, really, hope. But he started to show me that his plans are so much higher than mine that maybe he allows me to go through hard things because that is actually what prospers me. And that is what causes me to keep running to him. And he is my only hope and future. 
Life is hard, but God is good. I'm so thankful I have a father who knows just what I need, and he loves me unconditionally. Well, thank you to each one of you for sharing. Um, I love hearing pieces of people's stories. There's one, there's, one common, there's one common theme through it all. Whatever your story might be, whatever my story might be, as God's children, we have one thing in common. We all have that Heavenly Father who dearly, dearly loves us. Whether we had an earthly father who is completely absent, whether we lost an earthly father at a young age, whatever it may be, whatever your story is, the commonality is that we all have that Father who dearly, dearly loves us. And I pray that all of us find that rest in Him. I did not coerce my wife into sharing. <laughs> but I wanted, I've heard her and I've seen her walk into that rest of her Heavenly Father's love in spite of the pain from her earthly father. And I wanted you to hear a piece of that, what that looks like. And we heard Edda's story, an amazing father. And so we have all those, all those, those different perspectives, different things that we bring into life, but we have that one thing in common. <clears throat> and so this morning, um, here in a little bit, we're going to have baby dedication I wrestle with even calling it that because I think we should call it parent commissioning. Because as parents and, and as fathers, I'm thinking of fathers because it's Father's Day, we have, we have one shot to influence our children. And it's how we live, how we interact with them. And that time that we have with them is so, so short. And so it's, it's important, it's vital that we make the absolute best of it um, so this morning, um, Jamie and Kendra and Sean and Lisa both um, would like to have a baby dedication or parent commissioning for their daughters. <clears throat> and I just want to share um, t- three verses that are very familiar to us, but I want, you, I want you to draw your attention to a couple words in here. Actually, just a, mainly one word. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk and talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a door, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your hearts and on your gates. Parenting is a lifestyle. It's how you live. It's how you live day to day, day in, day out. That's going to impact your children. But I want you to draw your attention back to that first phrase, is the words I command you today shall be on your heart. For us as parents, and no matter who we are, we can never teach anything or show anything unless it's something that is in our hearts already unless it's something that we have walked through and God has brought us to. So if we want to take our children to a deeper place with Christ, then we have have to have gone there and go there ourselves. Because I can't show my children 
something that I'm not willing to go through or walk into. So as, as parents, um, let, me just, let me just start into our baby dedication just before they come up here. It says, our commitment here at Providence is to see lives deeply transformed by the power of the gospel. We have the opportunity to fulfill this mission through discipling even the youngest among us. We believe it is of utmost importance that we provide them with teaching that gives them the opportunity to learn and grow, equipping them with a solid spiritual foundation. This discipleship begins in our homes. I'm a big believer of that. It's got to start in our homes. As parents, we must recognize that our first mission field is at home. It's not out there somewhere. It's first at home. The lives that we will have the biggest influence on are the lives of our children. And that can be an influence for the positive or for negative. It's up to us. We have a choice in how we influence our children. And so today what we're doing is simply a recognition that our children are a gift from God. I think it's Psalm 127 calls them They're a gift from God, and they're arrows that are given to us. And arrows are meant to be shaped and to be molded and then to be sent off, to be released. And it's also to recognize the responsibility that we bear as parents. So, Sean and Lisa, um, I invite you to come forward with, I told them I'll try not to butcher these names, Alessia Ray, and then Jamie and Kendra with Hazel Olivia. You guys can come on up here. I'm just going to have you, instead of being up here, I'm just having you stand right down here in the front facing the people, and I'll come down. Um, and then at the end, when we come, we want to have a dedication of prayer for, for the girls and for the mom and dads. Just come right over here in the front. Um, and I'm going to invite family to come up and to, to just to gather around them. It's kind of a special day. Um, kind of, yeah, it is a special day. So, yeah, I'm excited. And, and I'm going to invite you to come on up then at that point. All right, so my questions to you. So is is it your intention to present this child to the Lord and to pledge yourselves to bring up your child in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord? If that's the case, then I'd ask you to answer the following questions. Do you recognize, Jamie and Kendra, that Hazel Olivia is a gift of God? And to you, Sean and Lisa, that Alessia Renit Ray is a gift from God, and you give heartfelt thanks to God for that blessing. Do you recognize, I'm sorry, will you commit as parents to disciple your children in the truth of the gospel, first and foremost by your example as you follow Christ wholeheartedly? Will you commit to disciple your children by your words? Actively communicating the truth of God's word to your children. Will you commit to pray for your children and to raise them in the fellowship of a church that teaches God's word faithfully and loves God passionately? And then lastly, are you willing to recognize that your children belong to God? And are you willing to release them to follow God's call on their lives wherever that may lead them.
Now, to, to you as a congregation, raising our children, this next generation that's coming, is a responsibility that we all carry, that we all carry together. And I want, to, I want us to give, give you that opportunity that we can together as a body commit to raise our children to deeply love Jesus by the example and the joy that we live, how we live our lives, that influence that we talked about. And your influence in how you live will directly impact the life of Hazel and Alessia. So I'm going to ask you as a church a question, and then I'll invite you to stand in response to it. Will you commit to pray for these children and their parents regularly? Will you walk with them and humbly seek to be godly examples that they might that might build that we might build each other up into mature disciples of Christ? Are you willing to respond to that and commit to that? If you are, I invite you to stand to show your support to Jamie and Kendra and Sean and Lisa. And I wanted them facing you because I want them and us to see this. This is something that we walk through together. This is what it means to, this is what body life looks like. This is something we do together. I'll invite the rest of you to stand with us as well. Um, And then also family members, grandparents for sure. You guys just come on up. I invite you just to stand around them. And then we will have prayer over them. And we will simply dedicate Alessia and Hazel to God, and then also Sean, Lisa, and Jamie and Kendra and their responsibility. All right, we're going to pray and then just remain standing. The worship team will come and close the service with a song then. So let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning so grateful that we can be called your children. And this morning we give Hazel Olivia to you. Jamie and Kendra give her to you. They dedicate her to you. Shauna, Lisa, Alessia, Ray, they give her to you. And I pray that you would instill in, in each of these little girls a deep desire and a hunger, to, and a, like a craving to walk with you, to know you. And as Sean and Lisa and Jamie and Kendra live their lives, teaching, training, and the example that they leave for their children, I just pray that you would, um, that their children would see in them something of the Heavenly Father's love, and that their children would find that safety, that refuge in that. I just pray a blessing on their homes as they go forward and lead um, and teach and train their children. And each of us as a congregation, as we walk through life together, as we influence each other, as we invest into each other's lives, that we could be that kind of influence on all the children in our lives, on each other, every day as we walk through life together, that we would be a blessing and an encouragement to each other. So we commit these families to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.